Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Hey, we are here with John Michael Clark. I am so fired up and excited to have you with us today. I was out there looking kind of on Facebook and I forgot how you and I cross paths, but here at the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast, we have been talking for quite a while about guys and things that we believe in Christ, but we've also been talking about kind of the lies that show up in our lives and how we need to change those lies that the devil feeds us and switch those over into, you know, what God believes in us. And so we've been focused a whole lot on leadership, on ourselves, because oftentimes the issue it lies on us and we haven't really stepped into marriage. And I'm like, man, I've got to find a guy that has a take and maybe even a little bit controversial, <laughs> <laughs> willing to be, you know, pretty honest, whether you agree or disagree or, you know, and something I found, you know, I found you, I found you and I'm not, Again, quite sure how we crossed paths, but I'm really glad that we did. We've had some conversations and it's just been great getting to know you and getting to know how you think and then uh, being able to have conversations and go back and forth. I love how you do it. When you go back and forth, it's truly conversational and looking to understand the other perspective and you know, give people grace when they're off the mark. And uh, one particular conversation that was happening there were a number of people that were so far off the mark. It was unbelievable. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a bit. Maybe we won't. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm so fired up and excited to record this conversation and then share it with men because men need to hear about leadership. They need to hear about leading their family. They need to hear about Amen. teaming up with our wives and, and just going for it as opposed Amen. to just being lukewarm and not having conversations and just being... Yeah, no vision, no direction. Like we got to team up and we got to do this together because our family depends on it without us. Anyway, I love it. <laughs> I'm diving into your topic, but I'm passionate about it as well. So absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Take it away. Tell us about yourself or, you know, Well, I'm glad we connected as well. I'm thankful to the Lord for making that happen. And also to Zucks for uh, providing us the platform and the algorithm and however we united. And I love how you just teed it up. So now I've got to be the controversial guy too. So no, you don't have to be, <laughs> be, be who you are. The, well, I'm that'll happen whether I'm into <laughs> or not. Um, the fun, I don't have anything new to say as you and I already know, <laughs> but uh, sometimes those old truths can be uh, and make conversations a little touchy. So yeah, Facebook is a, is an interesting place where those conversations happen that you're referencing. I talk about Instagram is like a nice place where people are fairly respectful. I say, once you get into Facebook, it's a little bit of a dumpster fire. And then Twitter is just straight up Lord of the Flies, where it's just unreal, no holds barred. Uh, that is where cancel culture is coming for you. They want to see heads culture, roll. There we go. So uh, it's a good time. But yeah, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, you better sow a lot of mercy because you're going to need it. I try to remember that 
that I want to, I want to keep planting seeds of mercy because I want to keep reaping merciful harvests in my own life. But yeah, man, I love, I love your heart and love what you're doing. Family leadership's a big deal to me because I was so bad at it for so long. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I just knew that my marriage didn't look like what I saw in the New Testament. And I knew that as I looked around, I didn't see any Christian marriages that I really, really admired and thought that is it. Now, I need to explain that a little bit because I saw plenty of good Christian marriages. But to me, they also looked very similar to good worldly marriages between two unsaved people who loved each other. So I felt like there's, there should be a difference. The people of God, if God actually lives inside of us, if he actually has standards and expectations in his word that, that he gives as commands to us, we should look different, first of all, as individuals, drastically different from the world. And our marriages should be incredible. They should look way different. So for me, it was the family leadership stuff. It was all these verses that we ignore or that we explain away. You know, what does it mean for a husband to be the head of his wife? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It, it doesn't mean that she's a, she's a doormat. Right, right. I got you. Of course not. But what does it mean? Well, it, it doesn't mean that you're some, you're some dictator. Right, right. I, I didn't assume that it did. I love my wife. I adore my wife. I respect that woman more than any other human, not more than any other woman, but more than any other person. So she's my favorite person, but I still know how to read. And I'm still reading the New Testament. I'm still seeing this stuff about headship and submission. I'm going, there's got to be something more here. What am I really supposed to do? And the answers never come. It's just always, well, I'll tell you what it ain't. Like, bro, could you please, could you just tell me what it is? And then finally, the, the, the in-depth answer was, be a servant leader. I'm like, I don't know what that means, though. Oh, well, lover like Christ loves the church. I'm like, cool, this is, that's good. But I still don't know what to do, like on a Tuesday night, though. <laughs> oh, you know, um, just like do the dishes. I'm like, cool, now we're getting practical. Okay, I can wash some dishes. What's next? Um, you know, just like. Man, bro, just, you know, it's just, you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, you, you know, bro, you just gotta, you just gotta be a spiritual leader. <laughs> just like, and it finally dawned on me after years of realizing like, you know what? The emperor doesn't have any clothes on. Nobody knows what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> like, Cause for so long, I just thought, man, this stuff is so high level. This is so mature. It's so top shelf. I've got to grow so much before I can understand what these guys are talking about. Hey, let me, let me jump in and let me just throw you Please a random do. question and interrupt the whole train of thought here go in for a it. different direction for just one second. So why do you think that might be? So I'll, I'll throw the, the, the question of a possibility, talk to each other about real things outside of like, before we began, we we're talking a little bit about Chuck Norris, you know, some real yeah. man stuff there. Yeah. Important but, stuff. Chuck like, Norris is 80 years old, y'all. That's crazy. <laughs> in March. Yeah. Well, in March, he'll be 81. <laughs> yeah. This coming March, 81. <laughs> so we can talk about man stuff. Like we can just instantly bond over Chuck Norris. Right. But then we talk about the topic of marriage and you're like, at best, we, we have some surface level conversations. So that yeah. you brought up spiritual leadership. What does that mean? That's right. why, that's why we're here. That's why we've got the Facebook community. That's why me and you are talking right now, because as a man, part of the reason I started the podcast was I want to talk to other men so I could figure some stuff out and I could have somebody to go back and forth with and I could reach out to guys like you 
that have done some study and have done some practice and done some teaching. So what do you think about how many guys, when you think of just guys in general, how many guys do they have in their lives that they can say, Hey man, here's, here's the topic I need. And this one's, this one's a big one. Right. I think they got one. You think they got two. You think on average, they've got like, talk about it. Well, I talk to a lot of guys and when I get on calls with guys, one of the first things they say, once we're just a couple of minutes in, because I'll ask them, I'll say, so why are we talking today, man? You know, why did you want to connect? And one of the first things they say is like, dude, you say stuff that nobody else says. Like, I can't get my friends to talk about this with me. My pastor gives me, like, they get the same answers that I got. And I think that comes down to two things. I think it's ignorance. I think folks, some folks just don't know. I don't think that's an excuse for a lifetime of to stay in ignorance, but I think that's one part. And I think the other one is cowardice. And I've been guilty of both. So I'm not throwing stones, but I'm just being honest about what my experience was. It was ignorance for a long time. I just didn't know. And I didn't pursue to find out. And I was just depending on others who also didn't know. But the other side of it is cowardice. I really think that the spirit of the age is intimidating. And I think that a lot of folks are afraid to go up against what is the idolatry of whatever you want to label it. Um, I think it has many faces and all those things are flesh and blood, which of course we're not wrestling with. We're wrestling with the spiritual principalities and powers. But uh, I think the church has really failed in this area. And I think I think it's so heated. I think this is where the real fight is. Uh, I heard a guy by the name of non-tenant. He, he writes for It's Good to Be a Man, which is a wonderful ministry. He and Michael Foster do a lot of writing there. But non-tenant said it this way. He said, if Martin Luther was here today, he would not be fighting for the doctrines of grace. And it's not that the doctrines, and it's not that they're not important. We know they obviously are. We should teach the whole counsel of the word of God. But the point is that they're not under attack. So what is under attack? Well, the doctrines of man, God's simple and good design for gender, man, woman, husband, wife. These are the, this is where the battle is in our day and age. And I think that's a real easy case to make. So Nan goes on to make the point that if you're not fighting where the fight is, then you're not courageous. So if the enemy is attacking at point A and you're over here arguing about point B, nobody cares. So you and me, I mean, and I'll challenge you, your audience to see what you can post on Facebook and Twitter and get away with. You can post about the resurrection. You can post about God's love. You can post about eternity in heaven. You can even post about hell. They'll be disgusted by it, but they'll pat you on your little superstitious Christian head and they'll let you have your little cute beliefs and believe in your myths and your mythology and your truth. But dude, if you start to talk about basics, boy is boy, girl is girl, man is the head of woman. And by the way, I just quoted scripture, folks. So and if you start to just, if all you do is put the text on there, the New Testament text, by the way, you'll get a couple of responses. You'll get heads exploding. You'll get attacked. And then you'll get what you see I get a lot on Facebook, the character who I've named Melvin, affectionately. <laughs> Melvin is a guy who I love. We've all got a little Melvin in us. Uh, but Melvin is wrong. And Melvin wants to explain away everything that we see in the word. Melvin has this whole pitch of, it doesn't mean that it means this. And Melvin's the one who will never tell us the answer to the question of what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? Melvin will just him and haul and he'll get into, well, you got to understand when that was written. Okay. Okay. The Greek transliteration 
of the Hebrew Aramaic with the hermeneutic and seeing that time period with the exegetical blah, blah, and Melvin goes on. He's like, and then at the Council of Crimea, they inverted the revelation. And then finally Melvin's looking at you like, do you understand now? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know what any of that means. That sounds like biblical gymnastics to me. And uh, I don't have a degree in that. So I'm a simple man. I believe that the Bible can be picked up by anybody. The, the book of God can be read, believed, and applied. That's not to say we shouldn't be responsible with the word, but it's to say that the word of God is safe, my brothers. Like you are safe to pick it up, read it, believe it, and expect God to keep you in the narrow path. Yes, yes, for sure. And I, I know there's those uh, verses in the Bible that are just uncomfortable, and I'd like to find a different meaning for some of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, just this morning I was doing a devotional. I reached out to a couple guys and I'm like, man, this one's tough. This one's tough. And the couple guys that read the same one as me, they're in, you know, the verses and they're like, this one is tough. This one's hard to, hard to grapple with. You know, yeah. when you look at our comfortable, it was, it was about, uh, you know, helping the poor today, but like, look at our comfortable lives and what the heck are we doing? Right. I don't need and, to help the poor. The government will do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Totally different topic, but at the same time, man, these, these verses are, some of these are really, really, really challenging and uh, it's easy to, easy to go a different direction on them and, or set it on the shelf. I'll get to that one later. Sure. And, <laughs> and when, then it, when we apply it to marriage, it, yeah. it's like even that much closer to home. And there's the fear there when it comes into the marriage, we have such a terrible relationship with authority. Uh, everybody is afraid of the word authority and we always take the word authority and we mean it to say authoritarian. Yes, yes, yes. The same yeah, dive thing. in there, dive in there. Cause that's, so, that's exactly where people go when they want to. Yeah. Attack as that. soon as you start to talk about, well, yeah, the husband's the head of the wife, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be some jerk. And I'm going, bro, that's you. The word isn't weird. The word isn't bad. You're weird. You're bad. I'm weird. I'm bad. We distort things, but authority is a basic thing. If your boss comes into your office today and says, Hey, I need you to do such and such and give so-and-so a call. You go, oh yeah, got it. He has authority over you. Well, yeah, but he's not a jerk about it. Of course he's not a jerk about it. Who said anything about being a jerk? You keep saying that Melvin, but nobody else is saying that. So I teach that, that leadership has three legs, compassion, responsibility, and authority. And so this is a tripod. And this is what any leader should be building on. This is what your football coach should have built on. This is what your boss should be building on. This is what you should be building on in your marriage, in your home. But all three legs are present. So let's think about this for a second. Melvin, who says we only should have the leg of compassion. So here's how I define these. Compassion, real basic. You love your family a whole lot and they know it. That's compassion. Responsibility means you take ownership of all the outcomes. Doesn't mean everything that happens is your fault, but it means ultimately you take responsibility for the outcome. So, hey, somebody did this bad thing. Well, I'm getting involved to bring the solutions to it. And then authority, I define this way. You have the power to do what's best for your family. And this is where it gets a little bit scary because if you have the power to do what's best for your family, you also have the power to do what's worse for your family. Mm -hmm. But like it or not, guys, that's what authority is. It is the power to do the thing. So let's look at these three legs. We've got compassion. I love my family so much. I take responsibility and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring a solution here. But now let's take away the leg of authority. I don't have any power to do it. That's just a sick joke. Hey, I love them. I see what's needed. I want to do it. Let's take this action. 
and the almighty female in our society and in our world, the, the holy one who dare not be crossed says, no, I don't want to go that way. Oh, okay, dear. <laughs> well, I guess we're stuck. Instead of understanding that obviously authority should have compassion involved and responsibility involved. And obviously, if you're having to flex your muscles and tell people that you're in charge and you're the leader constantly, you got to rewind a long ways, bro, and come back to yourself. And being a man, ultimately becoming the greatest man that they've ever known. Being the man that your wife is like, of course I want to follow you. In the same way that Eve wanted to follow Adam. She didn't want to wake up into the garden with Adam freaking out, leaning over and be like, thank God you're here. The animals are going crazy. I don't know what to do with this garden. Help. That's not what a woman wants. She wants to wake up to Adam saying, hey, Eve, welcome. God made me. He made you. My name's Adam. I'm naming you Eve. He's given us this garden. God loves us. He's our friend. I'm going to show you around. We're going to conquer and subdue together. You were made as my helper. I love you. I'm with, by the way, Eve, what, what are those? And Eve looks down at her boobs. She's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. What? And Adam's like, I'm going to call those boobs. And then, uh, you know, he probably quickly progressed into them and the beauty that was his, his brand new wife. And they probably had a good time. That's the story I tell myself anyway. But this is... <laughs> But this stuff is not controversial whenever we get our baggage out of the way of thinking that authority means authoritarian, authority means jerk, authority means- You got a little bit quiet there. Say it again. Uh, we, we bring our own baggage into this stuff when we think about authority, but authority is a good thing. You don't, you don't hold it against your boss when your boss tells you, hey, here's what we're focusing on for the next quarter. You're like, cool. Thanks for the leadership. We got something to aim at. We got something to point towards. Mm -hmm. And you're not constantly kind of trying to have a mutiny because you know he's doing it for your good. He's trying to make you money. He's trying to make him money. Y'all trying to move the purpose of the company forward. And your boss leads with compassion. He cares about you. Asks about your wife and kids. Maybe he doesn't, but you can imagine. He takes responsibility for the big problems and, and y'all are working together and you're his helper. We get this in every area of life, but in marriage, we get real nervous. Yeah, absolutely. You apply the, the concept to the workplace and you're like, yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty dang good it's just it just sounds like normal hierarchy another another dirty word hierarchy and, and immediately is being a, a boss having some work responsibilities and things and i'm thinking to myself yeah responsibility yes i i better do that oh that's a good reminder <laughs> like yeah. i'm automatically shifting into that role of being a good leader and i can think you know whoever is the boss that's listening to this podcast now was thinking the same type things. Oh man, whatever John just said, I, I'm missing the mark there. <laughs> I love so the those same philosophies at home. Yeah. It keeps it so simple for way. me. Like I love John Maxwell. He's obviously brilliant and wonderful. I love every leadership book I've ever read, but I can't remember the 87 indisputable truths. I can't keep up with it. So for me, I'm like, I got three legs. It's a tripod. They both got, <laughs> they all got to be the same length. And generally, when I look around my life or my business, whenever something's not going right, I take responsibility and I can find, all right, here's where you're messing up. You're not leading with compassion here. You're going too fast. Uh, the wife and kids can't handle your speed or this person, they didn't receive the grace from you they needed or you didn't own it. You blamed them. And this comes from the word like God so loved. He had compassion for the world that he cleaned up the mess that we made, took responsibility. It's not his fault but he owned the outcome. He wanted his family back. He wanted to restore his bride to himself. 
So God showed compassion. God took responsibility. And ultimately, all authority in heaven and earth is his. These are my simple takeaways from that. And it, it makes it easy for a guy like me. Yes, I, I absolutely love simple. The world seems to love complexity. And man, I just fight complexity. I just like to keep this easy and yes, real. Bro. And, Go to war know. against complexity. I don't know who said it. It's, um, it might've been Einstein. Any idiot can make something complicated. It takes a genius to make it simple. I'm yes. like, it's hard work to make stuff simple. You know, Melvin loves to pontificate and hear himself talk about, like, you know, my monologue earlier, the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew, Aramaic, or nonsensical. I'm like, Melvin, you're too smart for me, dude. Like, I can't keep up. You win. And by winning, like, we all lose. It's hard work to, to make it plain. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, for a long time, I was unwilling to do that, so. Yeah, there's the there's the Melvins and the complexities and all that stuff, or there's a, a little bit different way. You know, you're the head, you're the head of your family, you're the you know, leader of your wife and things like that. And then the guy, the other guy says, Yeah, I know that's in the book, and yeah, I'm a believer. And that was back in the day. Times are different now. Right. <laughs> Times are different now. Like, what do you say? What do you say about that? Uh, I'm always kind of baffled by it. I I'm not rude or mean to anybody when they go there, but I just always kind of say, well, okay. Like if you have that light of an attitude towards the word of God and, you know, obviously at that point we're coming at the scripture with totally different perspectives that are going to be irreconcilable. Because if you come to the word with a perspective that says I can choose, well, that was written to a particular time and to a particular people newsflash Melvin, the whole Bible was, and none of it was me at the time except for the fact that the entire word of God is profitable still for us today for training in righteousness and, and knowing how to live. So, you know, that war will never end. But to me, it's really just a clever way and it's a more fancy approach to what we first heard in the garden. Did God really say? To me, that's what it comes back to. It is still the snake talking. And, you know, and I don't mean to offend with that, but I think that's the heart behind. I think that's where it comes from. I should say it that way. I'm not saying somebody's not a believer. I'm not saying they're not my brother. I'm not saying I don't love them. I'm not saying they're not sincere. But when you get into those conversations, I get nervous, um, not because I'm afraid of losing anything, but I'm just, again, like this whole simple thing, it's not an act for me. I really fear God. I really love God. And whenever folks start to get into, well, does it really? I'm like, that's what I hear. I hear the snake in the garden saying, did God really say, Eve, did he, you, surely you won't die. I'm like, man, ah, I'm open to conversation. I'm open to revelation. So if you can show me, bro, show me. But here we are. There, there was a conversation along those lines. And I jumped in on the conversation. Oftentimes I'll just kind of hang out and watch people go back and forth, but I felt compelled. The guy was quoting his own personal narratives. So things that he saw and happened in his personal life that were outside of the Bible. And he kept going back to, well, I'm an ordained minister. Well, my wife, well, my female pastor, well, my, 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 my. Sure. And I kept saying, hey, man, like, that's a good story from your life. I can understand how you would draw some conclusions from that. In the Bible, can you show me a couple, you know, supporting stories that reinforce those beliefs? And yeah. then he would go with, well, I've been studying for 20 years, so I know. 
Yeah. Great. I can't see it. If you can't see it, then I just can't help you. I'm like, all right. And you can't. And I kept going, go back to the book. Let's come on. Let's dive in. I'm with you. I want, I want to, I want to understand it at a higher level. And he didn't even go the Melvin approach. He didn't go. Here's the 72 ways that the Bible got to, he didn't even go to a verse. So I was understanding that, or actually what I did in that moment was I'm like, I'm just going to stop the conversation, my participation. I'm just going to say a quick prayer for the guy. Amen. And I'm going to just keep remembering but, you know, I'm like Facebook arguments when they're arguments where n- neither side's here and the other side, it doesn't really help. Yeah, And I struggle with that, man, personally, because I mean, I know I need to grow in wisdom and I mean, you name it, I need to grow in it. But I struggle with that because I don't want to I don't want to throw pearls to swine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to be a coward. So I try and I also know there's lots of eyeballs looking onto these things. Lots of folks just stalking and scanning so those are moments where I try and slow myself down and just say, Holy Spirit, lead me. What do you want in this moment? Obviously, you know, this particular guy, this brother, this Melvin, um, I love him. I want him to see growth and progress and health, but it's not likely that that's going to come right now. But how many hundreds of people are reading this thread and they're, they're eating up what he's saying in, the, in their ignorance. So I don't need to get the last word for my ego. And I have to make sure that that's not my motive. Like, do I just want to hit him with a zinger? Because I could. Like, I can body slam him uh, on Facebook. I'm good with words. It's an unfair advantage. So I've got to make sure I don't get my ego involved and make sure that I'm just like, what's, what's going to be edifying for those who are, who are watching? Yeah, know, pride, pride comes before the fall. So that male, male pride and ego, man, I'm, I'm constantly praying to stay humble. So on your profile... You've got kind of your mission statement. I'm I'm certain you're comfortable that I read it, but it it's one it's one that draws attention. Yeah, um, I know a lot of guys they'll think it's PG-13. In my opinion, it's like PG, but uh, actually, I think it's G. <laughs> so absolutely, read away. All right, all right. I coach Christ following husbands to lead their family and have more sex with their wives. Hallelujah! Let's go. <laughs> So, oh my gosh, he said sex. <laughs> I ran out of space. I wanted to have, I wanted to say have more and incredible sex with their wives, but, but Zucks was like, you can only have so many characters. So I had to yes, just, yeah, it's sense. like, why, why does marital relations is something that we're not supposed to talk about? And, and we're certainly not supposed to put it underneath our name <laughs> on our Facebook profile <laughs> and also be Christian. Right. Right. Because sex obviously belongs to the devil, right? The devil invented sex, right? The devil invented the penis and vagina, right? No, of course not. All of these things are God's and he called it all good. God made the penis. God made the vagina. God made orgasms. He didn't have to make it feel good. We could have just multiplied. He didn't have to make food taste good. You could have just eaten the thing and it provides the nutrient. But God is good and he loves beauty and he loves magnificence and he loves this bond. And so, yeah, I teach folks that God loves sex and the devil hates sex, which is why the devil perverts it. Could you say penis and vagina just a couple of more times? Well, let's get specific, bro. Let's talk about the clitoris (laughs) that God invented. Let's talk about the the release and the masculine strength, how the man has to rise up in strength and power and the feminine has to respond and receive the masculine. Like these things are not accidents. The physical images, the spiritual. 
So even in the sexual union that God designed, it's not just, oh, that's just how mammals do it. We're not just mammals. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So sure, there may be some similarities between us and the animals, but we are not animals. So everything he's done has been done with a purpose. So that, that strength, we need to be this hard thing that the woman can rely on and respond to. If the man doesn't rise up, there will be no connection. The woman is available no matter what. But if the man doesn't grow in strength and honor, so in the same thing in our marriages, like, well, isn't marriage 50-50? No, that was another lie I used to believe. It's me taking responsibility to move this thing forward. Yeah. So, no. um, sorry, in I'm our, gonna in our Facebook group, one of the guys said, in an unstable world, the world needs stable men. I was like, dude, absolutely. That strength that we have that oftentimes, you know, there was a confrontation that I, it wasn't even a confrontation. It was a conversation that I should have had. I should have had the courage. You mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes we lack courage in certain areas. And this was a guy to guy conversation, a good buddy of mine, where somebody said something to me and I misunderstood a series of events that never happened, but I kind of accepted that it might be true. And just because it might be the story I told myself, I didn't reach out. They said, the person that told me the story said, Hey, don't, don't reach out to this person, but here's what I'd like. And here's why it's important to me. Mm. However, the person had authority in this situation and I just didn't have the courage to reach back out and say, Hey man, I was just checking to clarify. I wanted to make for sure. I understand. I had that conversation the other day and he says, are you kidding me? He's like, why would you think any of those things? Why would you think wow. said or did or implied or any of that? I'm like, dude, had I not been, if I, if I hadn't have lacked courage or understanding or what have, if I'd have just made a simple phone call and said, Hey, just checking. Can you clarify? Sure. Like how easy of a phone call could that have been? If I, Hey, right. Can I ask you a quick question and can you clarify something? That's yeah. our temptation, man. Yeah. And then he's like, so this whole thing <laughs> like, <laughs> been yeah, living in my head goes back years. So kind of biblically, the snake's there, Adam's there. And if he'd have just said, hey, no. <laughs> hey, we don't talk to snakes. Don't, don't, don't talk to snakes. That one little thing has been a domino effect. So um, when you see a little weed growing, snatch it, get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah, that was a. I sidetracked us. You had asked about sex, and and then I got I was passionate talking about sex shows us other things, but but yeah, sex. I, I love to teach guys how God loves sex. The devil hates it, which is why he perverts it, distorts it. Yes, is it private? Is it special? Absolutely. So I think that's where we've gotten into some of the we can't talk about it, but I think it's going to an extreme to the point where the church has let the world have jurisdiction over sex, and it's not theirs; it's ours. Mm -hmm. Christians should have the best sex. Christians should have the only sex. I mean, first, we agree that everybody should be Christian and sex is only for marriage. So there we go. Married Christians should have the only sex. <laughs> and, uh, and we should obviously be having the best sex. Sex is not just a physical experience. It is physical. It is spiritual. It is emotional. It's wonderful. And, uh, and I'm going to keep singing that from the mountaintops so that folks can enjoy God's good gift in their marriage. Amen. <laughs> No doubt about that. Uh, where where do you see some like breakdowns, whether it's from before you started, you know, shouting this from the mountaintops or in your ministry as you've been, you know, counseling guys and helping guys through this? Like, 
What have you seen? What's your experience with? I think it connects very clearly back to what I reference as the spirit of the age. And, and then when, it, when you bring it into the church, again, we, we know a lot about like the love languages. So what I hear and see a lot about is men are told, men are scolded on how to love their wives better. Love your wife, brother. If you just loved your wife better, if you would just be a servant leader, which we refuse to define for you beyond washing the dishes, if you would just do that, then she would just throw it at you nightly and you'd have to like hold her away with a baseball bat. But a lot of guys have tried all that and found that it's not true. I find every guy I talk to loves his wife. They love their wives. They adore their wives. And they have this secret shame. They almost feel dirty that they want to have more sex with their wives. So part of it has just been the message of the church, which told us all, hey, here's all you need to know about sex. Don't do it till you're married. Mm -hmm. Step one. And step two, once you get married, it's just going to be like a sanctified porno. And then people get married and they find out that's not true. And that's not the case. And, you know, this woman's never in the mood. She's always tired. Hey, babe, can we do it? No, I don't feel like it. Okay, why don't you feel like it? I don't know. I just don't feel like it. Yeah, but why don't you feel like it? I don't know. I guess I'm tired. Why are you always tired, woman? Let's take you to the doctor. <laughs> you know, so so there's there's a lot happening. But what I see a lot of times is guys not understanding the difference between making their wife feel loved and making their wife feel aroused. Those are two very different things. So as believers, we love the love languages, and I love the love languages too. You should know your love languages, your wife's love languages, everybody you know, know their love languages and keep their love tank filled. But the love languages create the warm and fuzzies. The love languages make our wives feel, oh, he's such a great guy. I feel so secure and it's just wonderful. And he's a blessing to me. And those are good. And every husband who loves his wife, like Christ loves the church, wants to make her feel that way, wants her to have that peaceful, rich security and companionship and trust in that man. However, that does not make her panties drop. That does not turn her on. That does not make her say, take me now, stud. That's a totally different set of perspectives and ways that we lead and carry ourselves. But we've all been told, bro, if you just go wash those dishes and change those diapers, like you're going to not be able to, like, you won't be able to stand the sex. And it's just not true. Um, your wife will feel loved. She'll feel more rested, but she won't feel aroused. So a lot of what guys need is the help in knowing what does it look like to bring the masculine into your marriage. Your wife doesn't want to be married to her girlfriend. Your wife doesn't want to be married to her bestie. She wants to be married to a man. And you are the man, bro. You are. You were made to be that strong, that, again, the erection, <laughs> penis reference. You were made to be that strong thing that's different from her. But again, Satan hates these differences. Satan wants androgyny. God wants mountains and God wants valleys. He wants deserts and he wants oceans. God loves all these differences and he made them in us. And again, through ignorance and cowardice, we avoid these things and we just, we wait. We don't want to offend this woman because again, like, if you offend a woman, you pretty much hate women, right? You know, or if you're going to, if you think you're going to dare lead, if you think you're going to, you know, plan for sex or initiate sex or become more sexual, like what's wrong with you? What are you, some kind of pervert? No, not at all. Actually. I love God's good gift. My wife is my favorite person. Sex is my favorite thing. Put them together. We're going to have a party up in here. <laughs> so a lot of guys I found, they need that confidence to shuck off the nonsense that they're hearing on the daily. You know, the, the nonsense about, you know, women 
all women wanting basically to be married to a girl who's just waiting, waiting for the girl to initiate. But the girls weren't made to initiate. Men were made to initiate. Eve is always awaiting for our leadership. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so this is, I mean, we see this in everything. We see this, you know, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. Anything's fine. Okay. Oh, such a conversation. How about, uh, how about Red Lobster? Oh, no, my salad was slimy there last time. Okay. Um, how about um, Outback? No, it's always too cold in there. Okay, where do you want to eat, babe? I don't care. Whatever you want. Babe, you obviously care. You just said no to two places. So we get frustrated. We laugh about that. Everybody's told that story. Well, that's the wrong way to do it. Here's what we should do. Hey, gorgeous. Babysitter's going to be here in one hour. We're leaving in an hour and 10 minutes. You and I have dinner reservations at such and such restaurant. And she goes, oh, what, what, how did you, when did you? I, I, and, and then she's like, and she's bugging you with all her questions. And you just say, hey, now you've got one hour, nine minutes and 30 seconds, tick tock cutie. And then she's gonna scurry away and go do her thing and go get ready. She wants your leadership. She doesn't wanna banter back and forth with her girlfriend. She wants you to lead it and take it somewhere. So in the same thing with sex, she doesn't want you sitting there in your sweatpants looking up from your video game or looking up from your phone with your slumped over posture and the potato chip dust on your chest. And she walks by and you suddenly remember that you live with a female and you notice her butt and you go, hey, can we do it? Bro, when you say, hey, can we do it? Here's what she's hearing. Hey, I'm another child in the home who is gonna pull on your clothes and require something from you. You've done nothing to create arousal. All you've asked for is permission. Hey, dear keeper of all of the sex, could I please have some of the sex? I need a receptacle for my penis. And the Bible says that you are my penis receptacle and you're not allowed to tell me no. So please tell me yes. No, I don't really feel like it. Oh, I am disappointed. Like it's pathetic and we've all done it. Like, you know, hopefully, hopefully the guys are, are resonating and I'm not mad at you, bro. I'm mad with you. I'm mad for you because we've all been there. <laughs> guys ask me like, how do you get this stuff so right? And I'm like, dude, how do you think? I've lived it, man. So that's totally different from creating arousal for this woman, for carrying myself like the confident man of the house who gets stuff done, who's a man with a plan, who gets dressed in the morning, even in the age of COVID, if you work from home who loves his family, who takes care of his business, who cares for his wife, who, who knows what it looks like to shepherd his family into the future. And when that man, not sitting down passively on the sofa, hey, can I get a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that, uh, you know, that stuff you're required to give me because the Bible says so. And then of course she, you have what I call starfish sex, where she lays there like a starfish while you have sex. And she cringes at the thought of having sex with a boy who is like, just under her control, basically, instead of the guy who goes into the kitchen and sweeps her off her feet and says, hey, gorgeous. And he kisses her like he's a stud and she's a dream. And he says, I'm putting on some veggie tails. Praise the Lord for veggie tails, right? Like Phil Vischer. <laughs> if my friend Kenny is listening, yes, that's his real name. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> like uh, Phil Vischer, I always say it's like Phil Vischer helping Christian dads get laid since like, I don't know, whatever year this, the veggie tails came out. But you know, it's, hey baby, I'm putting on some veggie tails and I got plans for you in 30 minutes. And it's, I didn't ask her any questions. I didn't say, hey, I was wondering maybe if we could, you know, um, I just need to have an orgasm and, and you're my vessel. So 
uh, could you be a good little helper instead of, man, I've created an experience for this girl. And she's like, whoo, who is this stud who just dipped me and kissed me and spun? And again, I'm given some things that may not be the, for the perfect cultural context of your marriage. So don't throw it all out, Melvin. Don't come at me, bro. Do whatever's right for you. But, um, but you've created something for her. You stirred her up. Well, my wife has a low libido. Well, no kidding, bro. Everybody, all of us say that. My point is you affect her libido. My point is you are the greatest influence on her libido. Well, not me. My wife has chemical imbalances. Okay, well, that would be exceptional. But generally speaking, we affect our wives and how they respond. And this is by God's good design. Interestingly enough, the opposite's also true. The feminine can use feminine strength, not masculine strength, but the feminine can use feminine strength and beauty to lead and influence the masculine. So it's all beautiful stuff, man. It's so true. Like when we put our strength into whatever situation that it is, a good friend of mine told me when he comes home from work or out for the day or whatever it is, he doesn't know what he's stepping into with four kids at the house and his wife there. He's like, so I can step into that and react to it, or I can choose my behavior and affect the dynamic of whatever is happening in the home. Love it. He says, a thermostat, not a thermometer, baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, if I'm not going in with, you know, the, the, the fun dad or the strong dad or the, you know, and maybe it's, maybe I want to be, you know, cuddly and lovey or whatever I want to be because when I walk into the house and it's nuts in there, I don't want to cater to that. I don't want to fall to that. I don't want the rest of the night to yeah. continue to evolve. That's He's so like, good. so, you know, that's, that's my role. I'm, I'm like it or not. Mind. I'm changing it already in authority. And that's the other thing I teach guys. Like you don't have to compete for this authority. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to ask permission for it. Good for better or worse. You are the family captain. You might not be a good one. You might be a great one, but you are the captain of the ship. No, my wife handles everything. She does everything. I understand, bro. But when, when it comes time for, for God to come walking in the garden, he's going to say, where are you, Adam? just like he did before. Where are you, Adam? This has been your garden to shepherd, to keep and to tend. Woman was made for the man, not man for the woman. And by God's good design, you are already an authority. So I love your friend's perspective there to see that I need to come in and set the tone and say, what's best for this family? Again, what's authority? The power to do what's best. So bring in that, hey, here's what we're doing tonight, family, or here's the love, or here's the cuddling, or here's the fun, or here's the serious, whatever is needed, whatever is best, because he's going to use his compassion to take responsibility. And ultimately he'll have the power to take it in the direction that he feels God wants his family to go. You mentioned the the date night. And uh, so I also didn't want to have those conversations. So it wasn't too long ago. I, I did just that, set up the babysitter, found the movie times, picked what a stud. you know, got all the, made for sure it had the close to five stars and you know, all the different things, you know, and I call on the way home, you know, like, uh, I guess I'll leave a message, get home. She's like, Hey, how come you didn't let me know, you know, about tonight and what's going on? I'm like, well, I left you a message. You know, that was 30 minutes ago. I know Mm -hmm. you've been busy with the kids and everything. No big deal. Here's how it's going to go down. We're going to leave at this time. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Oh, like, how are we going to find a babysitter? already taken care of. And not only that, this babysitter is on the approved list. Right. Like, so there's no discussion about it on the approved list. 
Well, which one is it? Well, does it matter? That's right. It's somebody we want our kids to spend time with anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like we're good. And here's the movie. It's got all these ratings and everything people are talking about. Not only that, the lead actor is somebody who you love to see. Like you're fired up to go see. He's got a new movie out. Like it just came out. Like this is really, really cool. The restaurant's real close to the movie theater. And it's a restaurant we've talked about going to for a long time. I'll, you know, you'll see it here in just a little bit. We got the greatest seats. We got, all, it's, it's going to be wonderful. Man, what a plan, baby. <laughs> and she's like, okay. So I've got like an hour to get ready. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess I'll get ready. <laughs> like, well, there really is no other option. Right. We don't want to be late for Rambo's last blood. This is going to be a, it's going to be an awesome romantic night. Yeah. You could say, I don't want to go out on a date. Well, I've never heard you say that before. All right. <laughs> and again, there are exceptional responses. So, um, you know, I've, I've taught that before and I've had a guy come up to me. He's like, my wife hates surprises. She'd never go for that. It would stress her out and freak her out. And then when I talked with him, there was a lot of other issues in place that, that made things that way. Yeah. And, um, and so I coached him on that, but, uh, but again, generally speaking, they're looking for man with a plan. And the more consistent we are with that. Now, if we do that every five years, she is going to fight that. She is in charge. And if all of a sudden we try and step up and she's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. You don't. No, no. She, she's not used to this. So that's a mistake that some guys make is they think they're going to come in like, okay. So I didn't, I didn't think we were going to talk about this. This wasn't even in my radar of things to talk about, but this is absolutely a thing right there. What you're talking about. Yeah. We change a behavior, whether it's a big one or a small one, and your your wife notices that this is different. Right. What's a, what's a natural reaction to life in general when something shows up different? Rebellion, and we again we see that in the garden. You know, her desire is to is for him. Her desire is to rule actually over Adam. So, the, all so of our let's wives. take the workplace thing. The boss says, "Hey, listen, the Tuesday meeting it's now Monday." Yeah. What do we say? Uh, you know, like, man, that's my temptation anyway. And again, to each his own, there's a lot of bigger context. And my boss never hardly does that. So it's no big deal. Or my boss does it every week. But yeah, our temptation is to rebel. Well, hold on. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me see. This is the way it's going to go down. Like, right. They're, they're, he didn't leave a different possibility. He didn't ask for input. And uh, right. But our, even, even us guys, so when our wife does that and throws a little fight back, yeah, you know, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, lot. when it comes to a surprise that, you know, again, there's a lot of dynamics at work there. And not just um, surprise, I'm talking that. about just a slight tweak. Hey, we're, well, a slight tweak, again, he needs to lean heavily into compassion though. So, you know, if your kids are public schooled and you just, it's in your heart to homeschool, like, you know, for me, homeschooling all the way, uh, nothing else is an option. And your wife is just like, no, it's not a chance, not a possibility. Well, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to yeah. take my time. I'm going to have these conversations. I'm not going to come at her and be like, I know this is right, even though I do. I know this is right, and we're going to do this. I know both of those things are true, but I'm not coming at a heavily defended position head on. I'm going to flank. Jocko Willink, I, I stole that yeah. from him. Best leadership teacher I've ever heard in my entire life, period, hands down better than anybody. He teaches that you don't attack a heavily fortified position head on, you flank it. So how do we flank? Well, we, we use compassion and we talk and we teach and we take time and we make sure she understands why is this thing so important? 
I don't want to move at a speed that she's not prepared for because I'm compassionate and I'm taking responsibility for what? For her understanding. And I'm taking my time. So authority would just say, we're homeschooling. That's it. And you're doing it. Well, (laughs) you might get her to do it, but that's not what you want, bro. Like it's not good. It's not loving. That's not good leadership. So you're going to take your time. You're going to help her understand the pros and all the value to it. You're going to take responsibility and show her that you're going to provide all the resources that she needs. She's going to have everything covered. You're going to help her. And, and then ultimately you're going to say, so here's why we're going this way. Cause it's so important for our kids and for their upbringing that we raise them, that they're in our home and such and such and yada, yada. And ultimately, yeah, you'll have to use your power to do what's best for your family. Well, what if my wife doesn't do it? Well, if she says, I'm not going to do it, then we come back to responsibility, bro. Guess who's homeschooling the kids? Well, I got to work all day and then homeschool the kids. Take responsibility. Like that's what it would look like. And that's an extreme example. That's a worst case. Like we, she won't come along in alignment. I know people always love those hardcore examples. So I'll, I'll give that one. But yeah, if, if my wife was like, I'm not homeschooling these boys, they're starting in public school this coming fall. I don't care what you say. I said, baby, I love you. Let's talk about this. Let's take our time blah, 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 blah. And then if she was like, I'm not doing it, I'd be like, all right, well, obviously I am then. And uh, it'll be hard and it'll be a lot on me, but I mean, I'm doing it. So that's, that's all there is to it. I mean, I'm taking responsibility. Her sin's between her and the Lord. I can't control her. A lot of times people are afraid that authority means control. It doesn't. I can't control Natalie Clark. I can't stop what she does or who she does it with. There's consequences for her actions depending on what she does and who she does it with. But yeah, authority never means control, but we do want to lovingly lead and influence. A wise man will do that with compassion. He'll take his time. I don't know if this was a, a tone or, or something you're trying to convey, but I think we have to be consistent with what we're doing. So instead of the one or two time effort at whatever it might be, wait, that's a pretty extreme example. If you're convicted that homeschooling is the way to go, and the conversation, you know, starts out and sure. then you have another conversation and then you're like, all right, I'm just done. Like if that's really the right. way to go, we've got to be consistent in actions and thoughts and words and research and working towards the ultimate goal. That, that one's a pretty big one, but like something yeah, different that like, you know, it's a, a lot that, of small day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're right. Consistency is key. So for a man, if he's thinking like, you know, my, for, so for the guy who's listening and you're like, dude, my wife marches at the front of the parade that says down with men and she wears the vagina hat and she hates patriarchy and everything else. Like, what am I supposed to do? Bro, compassion, responsibility, and authority. It's, it's still the same path forward. My wife won't let me lead, bro. Nobody can stop you from leading. Uh, when you lead with wisdom and compassion, nobody can actually stop it. They can resist and they don't have to follow, but you can still be consistent. And that's the big key is to continually. I'll throw, I'll throw one out because this, this one, this one's real. And I forget if my wife actually said this or didn't say this, or if she, I roll, I I don't remember her reaction to it, but here's one where I could see a a wife's reaction go, "Uh uh-huh, that's going to happen. Sure. Hey honey, I uh, was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and he's going to read the Bible this year. Oh, okay. Sure he is. And you know uh-huh. what? Not only that, but he asked a, a group of guys, there's about seven of us outside of him that kind of all said, you know what? That sounds like a good idea and something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Some of us have even attempted, but we weren't able to do it. 
the guy that brought the idea up, he sure sounds like he's going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he will. Well, I, I'm going to, I just wanted to kind of tell you, like, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a good mission. I actually marked it down as my year goal and we've got a plan and we've got steps and she's thinking to herself, well, maybe you might actually do this for like seven whole days, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that persistence part where we've got to walk our way and keep doing it. And eventually like, huh, you did something. Um, I did a half marathon a little yeah. while ago. I half marathon. Okay. Like you've never ran that far before. I know. I agree. <laughs> I'm a little scared of this challenge. <laughs> I was going to do, what was it? A, uh, a 10K? Yeah, 10K. So about six miles because it was something that I had never done. And it, I was a little bit scared. Yeah. And a buddy of mine says, you want to do a 10K or half marathon? I said, well, I want to do a 10K. I've never done it. And that does scare me. A marathon frightens me to death. Well, I accidentally was on a training run and I ran a 10K. I was, somebody called and I <laughs> took the call and as I'm running and I'm like, all right, I'm like, holy cow, I'm like a mile and a half away and I still feel good from being able to do a 10K. Well, let me just finish this up. I'm like, I still feel good. I can keep going. And so I called my other buddy and I'm like, hey man, this half marathon thing, I think, <laughs> I think it's a thing. And he's like, well, let's go for it. How long you got? And I'm like, well, I only got three weeks or two or three weeks left, whatever it was. And he's like, well, we got to hit it. And I finished out nice. the training plan for the half marathon and did it. And my wife was like, that was so cool. Like that was like unbelievable for a guy who yes. hadn't been a runner and I accepted my identity. I am a runner. <laughs> That's awesome. And she you know, admired that. Huh? She admired that. Absolutely. She did. So when yes. us men, not necessarily accomplishments and big things, but it's the be- consistent behaviors that lead up to, you know, the consistency of what you do with your Sunday rituals with your family. The Amen. I yeah, just, bro. It's, it's making the bed in the morning. It's just being a man of your word. It's, it's cleaning the bedroom and, and making the house orderly. And that's why I teach guys. Cause they always, we all, we want to change the world and we want to subdue the whole earth, but it starts with subduing myself. Self-leadership is where it all begins. So me taking care of me and being a man that I can respect you know, I want my wife to respect me. I want my kids to admire me. But do I really respect me? And, and do I keep my word to myself? And you did. You kept your word. You did what you said you were going to do. You followed through on it. And that's where confidence comes from. Now, I talk to a lot of guys who are like, man, I need confidence. I'm like, well, bro, you can't fake it. Confidence comes from mastery. So make the bed every day this week if you're not doing that. And they're like, okay. And they made the bed every day this week. I'm like, I had that feeling. Like, it feels good. Of course it does, man. It's dominion, Adam. You're taking dominion over your garden. Well, it's so small. Dude, let's not be cynics, all right? There's enough of that in the world. Let's keep building. You're going to expand. Keep tilling the garden. It pleases God for you to bring order to this world around you. Hey, how about you do the garage next weekend? Empty the whole thing, bro. Put it all back in place. Organize. Straighten it up. You know, whatever. Get the, get the fast food trash out of your car, tr- out of your truck. You know, just bringing a well-ordered life does so much for a man and then sets him up for other areas of win of winning and consistency. And his wife, she notices. I tell a lot of guys, don't tell her, Hey, I'm changing everything. Like just let her see it. Let her watch it. Let her experience, let her be the recipient of these good changes. Don't make all these new things in your life, like inconveniences to her. Hey, I need some me time. Well, that's true, bro. You may, I need some time with the bros. That's true. You may, 
but don't make like step one. I'm out, you know, playing poker with the guys five nights a week now because I'm going to be, you know, a man who wears some pants. Like, bro, <laughs> like, remember, you were put in authority to do what's best for the family. And by the way, that includes yourself. But I love your heart and your point there. Consistency is key. And that is what will pay off. Hey, who knew? Faithfulness, right? Jesus told us. Yes. If I'm faithful with little, I'll be faithful with much. If I'm unfaithful with making the bed, then I'll be unfaithful with everything else. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I was, I was talking with a guy, he's a book author. He wrote a book that sold over a million copies. And that's that's more than me. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> and so it was really cool. And I said, hey, by the way, you got any thoughts about your dad? And he goes, oh my gosh, I learned so much from my dad in so many different ways. But one of the stories he shared with me was his dad helped run a gym that some of the biggest prize fighters that anybody's ever heard of came through and were trained by. And he goes, the thing that my dad did to help these fighters grow in their confidence and career was he had them fight somebody that was just not quite as good as they were. Is he never put them in the ring with somebody as they were building up that could beat them. It was always just a little bit below his competition, but he knew his fighter was going to win every time because he had mm -hmm. to build his confidence so that when he got to the prize fight, he expected to win. Yeah. Um, Tony Robbins was oddly enough, went to the, uh, I think it was, I think it was the FBI to train them how to shoot and he was tag along. So he wasn't supposed to actually train them how to shoot better. And the guy who was tagging along with didn't show Tony flips out and he's like, what am I going to do? So he has these guys shoot from like 10 feet away into a target. <laughs> Pretty easy shooting fish in a barrel kind of a thing. Yeah. And then he had them back up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And they all ended up shooting better that day than they'd ever shot in their life because they had that success and confidence from doing the little things. Freaking Tony Robbins. <laughs> and that, that was like when he was like 15 years old. Firearms instructor. Yeah. So imagine being 15 and instructing and he'd never fired a weapon before in his life That's or he awesome. wasn't an expert or whatever it was. So he, he had no clue and hadn't been trained. And then he came up with that on the fly and they still use that technique today. So when I was in the military, we did the same thing. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude, that's cool. So yeah, what you just said, the little small things, it's like build some confidence in areas of your life and then just keep building on it. Your wife will notice. Yes. Your wife will notice. It might not be in the time that you want her to notice. It might take some patience. It might take some endurance. My buddy Blake Brewer and his thing, the endurance, but like eventually things work, things click. For the man who will, who will continue to till that ground and work that garden, it's just like your garden. You know, there's stuff you can do in your yard this weekend to make it better. I could rake the leaves. I could edge some things a little bit better. There's some stuff I can do just this weekend and it's going to look better. But if I do the stuff season after season to this yard, if I weed and feed and then I seed and then I aerate, if I do all that stuff, dude, you can have a golf course in a couple of years. And that's what I always encourage guys too, with your marriage, with your family, with your sex life. There's some stuff you can do this weekend. You can get some wins right away. But there's also, if you'll be consistent and faithful, your marriage can be that putting green. Your sex life with your wife can be incredible. And we're talking about God's goodness in your life and in your marriage, his abundance, his pleasure. You know, you that you would feel his pleasure, that you would walk and live with pride and joy 
not because work is going great because that's out of your control, not because Trump or Biden or whoever is next or any other nonsense is under our control, but I've been given dominion over this household. And I want to see this girl thrive. And I want to see these little kids thrive. And I want to thrive. And I know we can all thrive together for the glory of God. And so for the man who will be faithful in that, oh man, it's just, it's not a question of how the story ends. It's just a question of walking it out. So the other day I heard about the three men you need to have in your life, Timothy, Paul, and Barnabas. Mm. So, you know, you, you need a Timothy so that it can, uh, or you need a Paul so he can train you. You need a Timothy yeah. so you can train him, kind of mentor. And then you need a Barnabas, somebody kind of a ride or die partner, somebody that's just yeah. there with you through thick. That's just a buddy, just going through life with you. So you got somebody to confide in that's not in either role. They're not leading you and you're not leading them, but they're just by yeah. your side. So where I see where, why I bring that up is like with you, the men listening right now might not have somebody like you that can lead them in this direction. In my life, whenever I've been lacking something, I just reach out and make relationships with people at a super high level that can help me in a certain thing, whatever that might be, you know, soccer, gym stuff, business, fatherhood, like just whatever. It's like, cool, that guy's got something at a higher level than I have. And I want that. I'll develop that relationship, whether it's a coach, a friend, a mentor. So guys, if you don't have somebody that you know of, and even if you do reach out to, uh, reach out to John Michael Clark, like he's got some things that he can do to help you. If, if having sex with your wife is something that you want to do at a, a higher level and you'd like to do it within a Christian context, uh, I think that's the best way myself. Um, reach out to him. And then as you grow and build in confidence, you'll be able to help share that with other men, other couples, and you'll be able to develop that, that as well. And in so doing, you'll also find some Barnabases. Hopefully you have one couple that you guys can go out with and share life with. Be great if you had two or three, but most guys have challenges where they don't have one guy they can share with. And then you certainly don't have a couple that you can also share life with in a deeper, more meaningful kind of a way. Um, so look for, look for somebody that can be your Paul, find somebody who can be your Timothy. And then as you're doing that, develop your Barnabas, find that other guy, find that other couple uh, to share life with. Amen. I think you could be that guy for a lot of guys. Well, I'd love to, I, I love talking with guys. And obviously, you know, this is, like I said, this is where the fight is for me. This is where I, I don't want, I don't think it's a niche. I don't think it's something Joe Michael's into. I think it's something that every man should be into. Leading your family with strength and love, gaining confidence, earning their admiration, leading like Jesus and, and making that practical, making that look like something uh, goes a long way. So I'd love to connect with guys and help however I can. That'd be fantastic. So I believe the best place to reach out, you like to keep things simple. Amen. So you've got your personal Facebook page, John Michael Clark. Yeah, that's where the party's at. Friend request him there, send him a send him a Facebook message. Like he doesn't have some, you know, complex thing that he does. It's very, very simple. Yeah, so. I'll have my people reach out to your people. <laughs> By my people, I mean it's just me. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. Have you uh maybe maybe two questions? Have you got anything else you want to leave leave the men with? And then after that, I got a follow-up question. Yeah, I would just um, say this, guys. The calling of family leadership, it's awesome. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's exciting. It is fulfilling. So I would encourage you to pursue it, even though you don't 
quite know what that looks like, please connect with me. I'm constantly putting out free content on my page and in the form of videos and trainings and all kinds of stuff. So that can be a primer for you. But please embrace it for the glory of God, for the good of yourself, for the good of your wife, for the good of your children. I know it's easy to drift. I know it's easy to just kind of, I mean, hey, it's Thursday or it's Friday. It's, you know, it's next week. It's, it's a new year. It's another new year. It's easy to just, we're going to raise these kids and then someday we're going to retire and then someday we're going to go to heaven, right? Uh, but there's more purpose for you, brother. And you are called, you were made to lead. You were made to be a provider, a protector and a leader. This is what it is to be a man. So I just want to invite you into that high calling for those of you who are on the journey and you have other things to share and everything I've said today, you're like, duh, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. I would say, brother, please share what you have. Like, like Dan was just saying with the Timothys and the Barnabases and anybody who will listen in your life, because this is where the fight is. This is where the enemy is attacking. Many shepherds have been struck down. And because of it, the sheep and our family have been scattered and our society is scattered. They don't know which way is up and which way is down, but Jesus has compassion on this world. Jesus has compassion on your family. Jesus has compassion on you. So I would just invite you into the high calling of family leadership. Embrace it. Stumble forward, brother, and God is going to bless it as we're faithful. Not perfect, but faithful in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. Amen. Oh, so last question. Let's come up with a challenge. What challenge we want to throw out to the guys this week? As I've already said, I like to get super practical make it a tangible thing. Then see, I want to hit as many people as possible. So if I just said, make your bed, some guys are like, are you serious? It's right, no right. So uh, a challenge this week, let's hit on um, a marriage thing. Let's encourage the guys to, to pursue an in-depth conversation with their wife. And here's what that would look like. Um, I'm just giving you a couple of questions to ask. And here, the point of this is obviously sometimes we're just busy. We're just passing each other. We love each other. There's a, a kiss on the lips. There's a smack on the butt. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you're having sex nonstop, whatever the case, your situation is, but there might not be in-depth conversation. So ask your wife a couple of questions. How's your heart? It's a big, broad, vague question, but it opens up for some cool things. What are your dreams? Those two should get you going and you're going to have fun with it. Let it go somewhere. Don't make her feel pressured. I need to know these answers, but you know, relax, sit down with her once the kids are down or maybe your kids are out of the house, but sit down with her on the sofa and say, hey, I want to talk to you. We've been just so busy. I know, yeah, we usually turn on our show, but I just want to chill and talk with you tonight and ask you a couple of things. Where's all this coming from? It's coming from your husband who loves you. And, and I just, yeah, but where's it coming from? They don't need to know about this podcast. They don't need to know that you got a wingman. You're the hero, bro. So yeah, go there, have fun, have a conversation and uh, make sure you know what's going on inside your girl. And then after you find out what's going on inside of her emotionally, of course, I would encourage you to pursue what's going on inside of her physically as well, because oh, I have fantastic. Those, those are some really, really, really good questions. I, I heard the second one the other day and an unbelievable story that happened from just that one simple question. So like just unlocking her thoughts and feelings and yeah, taking, taking a, a minute to just pause life for a second and ask. Like yeah. It's so, so simple, but when was the last time that we as men, as husbands have done that, it might've been a while. It sure. might've been a while. It might be never. Right. <laughs> so that is awesome. I, lo I love the challenge. Those are two fantastic questions. How's your heart and what are your dreams? 
Hey, honey, you know, I'd like to talk to you for a little bit. Let's clear some space off. Yeah. How's your heart? What are your dreams? That's fantastic. Well, you I appreciate this, What's that? I said, you got this, bros. Absolutely. You got this. I love it. I love it. So we can do all things in Christ who strengthened us. And, and we can do this one little simple challenge this week. This one's one of the easiest challenges we've had to initiate. Cool. And cool. one of the most uh, worthwhile and rewarding. And that's a great way to, uh, to engage the journey this week. Thank you, John Michael Clark. I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you being in my life. You're welcome. You're a blessing to me, brother. All right. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.